Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM, the podcast dedicated to travel risk management. And I always get really excited when I get to talk to a girl in this space because there's not very many of us. I don't want to call that out straight away, but there's just not many of us. So this is going to be a really, really great episode. Uh, This particular person has only just come into my life. However, is going to be in my life a lot more. We've got some exciting ventures planned, um, which you guys should be hearing all about if you're following us on LinkedIn and our other spaces. Um, but um, I'm just yeah, really delighted to have her here. As soon as I started learning about not just what she does, but sort of some of the reasons behind it, I was just like, before we do anything else, we need to get you on as a guest for the podcast. So I'm really happy to have you here. Um, I will you. not go on any further, but I will now pass over to yourself and I will say... Who are you and what is it that you do? (laughs) Thank you very much, Bex. So uh, I'm Alexandra Hoffman and uh, I am French based in France. It hasn't always been the case. I've lived in many places uh, in previous years and I've traveled the world, uh, which I think is a good introduction to travel security, right? Um, I did that for personal reasons first, because I studied abroad and then I started my first job in security when uh, just after 9-11. I was in New York and I started uh, working at the security trainee first and then moved up the ladder ever since. Uh, and that was with the uh, Avon Products uh, Incorporation. And then after that, I started working for other large organizations. And because that job in security and crisis management, it's, you know, we need to be on site a lot. Uh, And I think it was, uh, even if it's reduced a little bit now, I think before it was uh, nonstop traveling uh, in planes, in hotels. I remember with uh, some of our colleagues when I was with one of those large organizations, we we used to stay in touch on Facebook and taking pictures of ourselves in lounges, hotel lounges, hotel um, airport lounges saying, oh, I'm here, I'm there. I'm like all the time traveling, right? Um, So I've been a security person for 25 years and uh, dealing with um, preparing and responding and recovering from all kinds of incidents, which led me to set up my own company five years ago around everything resilience, resilience, sorry, which is now called Crisis Ally. That's the name of my company. And uh, what we do is we help um, crisis leaders and crisis teams thrive through crisis, make sure that they get out of crisis stronger. Really, that's our focus because we have been in those shoes before and I know it can be extremely difficult to prepare, respond and recover day in and day out, especially in today's environment. So that's what we do today. And I'm really happy to connect uh, one of those bridges um, with the travel security industry, because obviously when we talk about crisis management, security, business continue, whatever, or risk management, all those topics, obviously travel security is a big one of those topics. It's one of those uh, bridges, which is uh, really important to, to, 
to match with the rest. And that's also actually the, I would say, the um, one of my mantras uh, with my company. It's really about building bridges and cut those silos. Not that those silos are not necessary or some, from time to time, but the idea is really to connect people and make sure that um, they work together to right, in the right direction, in the same direction, right? Oh my goodness, anyone listening right now is just going, well, there's why she's on the cool podcast. Did she just say bust silos? Did she say get people out and get them doing stuff? Um, there's so much stuff just to kind of touch on there, to kind of talk about how you kind of got to where you got to now. And obviously I've just met you as, as obviously part of Crisis Ally, and I'm so excited about what you're doing. So I'm just going to talk about that really briefly because one of the sort of, I guess, bugbears that all, one of the things I've been experiencing as I've kind of got into this space and I'm talking to corporates about you know, putting frameworks in, thinking about their resilience, but bringing the travel risk piece into it, mm-hmm. um, is this kind of idea that travel is, it's just not really thought about. It's just a sort of byproduct of other stuff mm-hmm. that we have to do. And we're not considering that as the risk itself. Whereas actually, within um, with any kind of incident, whether the travel whether the travel part is part of it or not, the infrastructure of how people move around is going to have an integral part of how that incident plays out, one way or another. So they're completely bound with each other. Mm-hmm. Yet people just don't seem to kind of understand that. And then the sort of next stage of it is, well, we'll just put it in a policy then, and then that'll be sorted. Um, which again is is just not how humans work, right? We're not going to do that. And I think one of the first conversations we had, you said, you know, I mean, I've I've used this a lot, but I've paraphrased it because you were a lot more politely polite when when you said it to me. But Tell me what did I say? <laughs> how I paraphrase it is when the shit hits the fan. Yeah, we're going to be sitting in a room with a piece of paper going, "Oh my God, what do we do?" So how do we prevent that from happening and make that? that that stage a lot easier because actually you've got a book and you know what to do and you can actually start working things out but then it's about experiencing this stuff and I think that's what Mm. I love about what you're doing at Crisis Ally and obviously uh, Ally and that's what we um are hoping to obviously explore with with the event that we're working on in in March um to kind of bring this stuff to life and to say that this is not about process or policy it's about training your staff. It's about putting them in situations and getting them to think about how they do this stuff. So where did that come from? What, where was your sort of thought on that? Where, where did, why did you decide to set up Crisis Ally? Um, it was in my head for many, it, it had been in my head in, for many, many years, to be honest with you, Bex. You know, it's like any of those big projects. Sometimes it, it takes time um, to to it out there basically um i think i i always put this uh major event uh or year that happened for me in my uh professional life around i would say 2011 2012 where um i i had when i say i don't get me wrong i always i was always part of a team right it was never myself and my me myself and i right but i uh, ended up dealing, uh, responding to lots of crises and major ones, okay? And um, that's when it dawned on me that even though we were dealing with those events really well, I thought we were missing something. And um, and that's why I really uh, nurtured that thought 
for years and years and read and and spoke uh, asked questions and spoke to people. Um, I even got certified as a coach to start learning more about the human uh, being, basically, right? And um, eventually, I was like, I think we're missing this point where um, we are not connecting to people enough. And um, when I actually landed a job just before Crisis Ally, okay, which was to become the head of resilience at a major, large organization, uh, which was very new at the time. It was in 2017, 2017, head of resilience, right? And I was like, I think this is something to, to really dig into. And essentially, uh, we left in good term with that uh, team and with that company. And I said, you know what, let me go do my own thing because I, I think this is the right time. Um, yeah, so this is when I started basically uh, talking around and said, okay, let, I'd like to focus on resilience more than anything, you know, and start preaching this around other organizations. And that's how we started this uh, journey, basically. At the beginning, it was not called Crisis Ally. It was Alexandra Hoffman Consulting because it takes time to come up with a name, right? Um, and essentially, COVID really helped uh, turning everything and putting everything at the, in the right place, I would say all the stars aligned uh, because this is when this topic became really big, really interesting for organizations, private, public, it doesn't matter, right? Every, now everyone is talking about this. Um, so that's when I renamed it, not after myself, but uh, you know, to make it more like a white brand uh, because it's not about me, it's about uh, helping those organizations and making sure that those organizations are seeing those sometimes really bad events as ally as well to do and to you know to do things differently and to learn things to grow stronger that's really what's at the heart of this name basically is we try to be the ally of the clients we work with but the other thing is we want to consider we want people to consider that those sometimes really nasty events can be allies in the long run in the way that they change us, um, but hopefully for the better. My goodness, I just completely agree with you. On, I, just, I, mean, I agree with you so much, but that last point, this is why we sort of don't talk about this idea of travel optimization rather than travel risk, because when we think about risk, we kind of just go straight to the negatives or we go straight to high-risk destinations, high-risk activities. And again, we kind of go through this tick box exercise that we've kind of got stuff in place without hardly ever experiencing these situations in person so to kind of actually know whether or not these things, you know, actually work or not. So I think the thing that we've got to kind of get our heads around, and this is a question that I get asked all the time, is, you know, people are sort of saying, well, what happens? How many people, How many times do people go to court and how many times do kind of companies get taken to one side for this sort of stuff? And I'm like, I think we're kind of missing the point. There's events happening on a daily basis to people. It's about looking after your people. That's, that's the legal piece, right? It's your duty of care obligation. And in some countries further than that, obviously in the UK, we've got even stricter laws on certain things um, with regards to sort of um, corporate manslaughter acts and things. Um, but it's not about has anyone else got caught? Has anyone else got fined? It's has stuff happened to companies before? And and yes, it has, right? It's happening all the time. And we're living in a world now, and you and I talk about this all the time, that it's not just a risk of a sort of a terrorist attack or 
some other sort of situation like that. We've got we're living in in a climate crisis, so we're having adverse weather conditions affecting everything. Travel's being affected on a daily basis because of COVID, because we don't have the infrastructure and the and and the the volume of, of travel that we had once it's, it's difficult to and then we don't have the staff to look after it so even if they say it's going it's not going you're guaranteed to be disrupted right now it's not a thing that may happen it is likely to happen and all of these little things then have a knock-on effect to the person doing the trip so it's not just the big stuff it's the it's the little stuff as well but it's all got to be formed around the people right and that's i think what we've been missing a hundred yeah a hundred percent um, and it's just that's what I think that's what I love about what you do is that you're bringing it back to that and that's why I'm so excited to do what we're going to be doing together which I can't talk about but I really want to um, so let's so I obviously following your career so to so, so where you kind of got to where you, this missing point and this kind of idea that you've been and I, and I recognize that so much in you know what and what I'm doing now too um, well, from a sort of personal side what when did when did Alex decide she was gonna the security was for her? Where where was the sort of what 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 happened there? Because it's not a normal job for us girls. It's not, and I don't want to be sexist about this. But again, certainly you know we're, we're a little older. We're not in our twenties. We look gorgeous. <laughs> we know that. Um, but it is a very masculine orientated world still, isn't it? So um, what happened? What what? How? <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> no, what how, what went right? I love it. Come on, it's great. What went right? Goodness. Um, no, no, no. It's it's always been with me. Um, if I go back really, really far, um, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a police officer. So it's always been with me. Um, I don't have any police officer in my family, uh, so it was just you know it's just what I wanted to do and be. And essentially, I started traveling, uh, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, and I traveled for my studies, and I also uh, had my first um, encounters with the professional world abroad, in Hong, I, in Hong Kong. And this is when I say, I was like, I, I want to stick with protecting people, but in an environment which allows me to travel around the world and meet new people and new cultures and new everyone all the time. This is when I met corporate security, basically. And I went to New York to study corporate security at the time because uh, there was nothing like this uh, in France. That was back in 2000, uh, like I said, just after 9-11. Yeah, 2001. So I arrived in New York uh, after 9-11 to study corporate security. And that's when uh, everything started for, for me and my career. Um so yeah, it's always been with me to to make sure that that's that's also why I've never followed uh, those. I know they're important. Okay, don't get me wrong. I don't want people to start quoting saying that I said that compliance is not an important thing. That insurance don't mean anything. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that what drives me are the people, nothing else. A hundred percent. And yeah, yeah, I I just completely recognize that. And I think you know from where where I've come from and I've seen how all the bits don't fit together but we sell it in a certain way as if it does it just drives me crazy because ultimately the person at the end of that trip that I say it all the time on my podcast that that line on that spreadsheet that you're just moaning about because it's an invoice you've got to allocate that was a lived experience by somebody and that can be a good experience hopefully but it could also be a negative experience based on the decisions around how prepared they are for the trip 
how much you're willing to spend on them on that trip the value of the trip to you and what all that means and for me the frustration is that we've lost that bit of care we lost it a long time ago and travel just became an expense and a cost to control and once it becomes a cost to control you've lost you've lost the kind of point of what it's there for at all and I think that's why when I started hearing about this other side of it this new standard that was coming out that was really putting a backbone into what the travel industry should be doing I really grabbed hold of it because I was just like this is about people this has got nothing to do with measuring on spend so you know as a TMC you go in and the first question you ask is how much do you spend (laughs) it's not you know literally that and it's not and maybe that's changing now but certainly that that's not what you know that's not what this is about and then you decide well how much air have you got how much money am I going to make out of you and but we don't sell it like that we sell it as duty of care and that's it's it's really kind of twisted the minds of the organizations because they're expecting one thing and they're getting something else Um, and that's what drives me is to kind of just it's not to it's not to blow up the travel industry it's just to make the travel industry more responsible and safer for people because ultimately they're the ones that are not getting a hotel room because something's gone wrong with the technology piece and now you've got a a woman stranded in a lone city at night with no travel agent because they're a consultant and no one to talk to like that's crazy like what we, that just shouldn't be happening nowadays and it's and it's wrong so i just love that it's the drive of the people for you too if um, i may bex going back to the mm. reputational uh, impact um mm. when i go back uh in my past we we should not neglect the fact that when we do actually focus on people and we take care of them really well, like meaning to take care of them, when they're facing those situations while traveling or even outside travel, right? Even at home. But let's say we focus on travel security right now, okay? Right while traveling, because when things happen when we travel, it's even harder because we are away from home. We are away from our families and from our friends. And it's 10 times depending on what happens, can, it can even be bigger than that, 10 times worse than when it, when it happens at home. When we do take care of those people the right way, meaningful way, they thank us. I've actually had thank yous many times. They thank us. What do you think they say? They talk about the company in good terms around them. The yeah. company I'm working for, oh, yeah, they're taking care of us. This happened to me, and they, the team took care of us. So this is such a great company to work for. So I'm not I'm not focusing on on courts and and fines or jail uh, sentences or whatever it is. I'm focusing on people just thanking the organization they're working for because we took care of them. And it's such a simple thing, isn't it? In theory, but yeah. in reality, we just kind of say call this number and we don't think about all those other kind of bits that fit together in it. Which is why I guess I love travel risk management because it is this kind of framework for us to have those wider conversations and draw all those companies, all you know, the different departments in those different stakeholders, going back to your coming out of our silos. Yes, everyone has a responsibility within their business. And when a piece of information or something happens or something comes in, but it's then how you bring all that together, disperse it and bring it back together again, right? To ensure that the person being focused on is your traveler, your employee, yeah. your guest. Um, and also often, you know, you sort of, you even even the stuff you're putting in place for 
for consult for for their for their employees. They they can kind of just to get their head their, their heads around that. But what about their guests? What about their contractors? What about their consultants? So I always kind of echo and you know our mutual friend Bruce. Um, this idea that this is people risk management, and yeah. I smiled when you said um, anything that can happen and it can be exasperated because in one of my courses I literally have a slide which says anything that can happen to a person can happen when they're traveling the issue is it will be worse because there's no support network and they don't know where they are right or and whatever it's scary because you may not speak the la local language even if we speak English you know it's it's just uh, that's how it is being uh, injured or being in a bad situation when you're not home is much more scary And you hear horror stories, you know, so all of this right. stuff flies through your head, doesn't it? And I guess the more remote the destination or the more unknown the destination. Um, but again, the sort of thing that I sort of pull back on, you and I are well-traveled and we were really fortunate enough to do that in our sort of, you know, late teens, 20s and, and so on. It's not actually as easy for that to happen so much anymore. It sounds crazy because yeah. obviously we have hybrid working and people doing stuff, but it's a different time for, yeah. for that now. Um, so therefore, and I think, and I think, I really feel that we have a responsibility to protect our younger generations that are coming through to say, you know, the world isn't quite as you think it is. Yes, there is this world that are, we don't necessarily understand because you've got this kind of online thing happening and this this meta universe. But actually, the real world over here, there's mm. some stuff that you need to know about that, and it isn't like this. So we have this kind of responsibility because we remember stuff that we kind of did pre you know I went traveling pre-internet for goodness sake I'm a real old person um how did earth how on earth did we do it um but it's it, it's trying to kind of say you know there is a way and there's stuff that you need to know about and there's stuff that you need to be prepared so it's it's making sure I think and this is why the work you do just kind of resounds home with that because you're allowing people to have these experiences is it's it's as much as to where does your responsibility lie as the organization and at what point does the traveler or the employee's responsibility kick in and really yeah. understanding what those responsibilities are uh which i think is quite challenging for organizations who are dealing with different um age groups and different experiences so they have to sort of set a bar right as to this is our responsibility this is yours but we will train you so you feel competent to actually handle these sort of situations Not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as ISO 31030? A gap analysis exercise from Ascent Risk Management is the best place to start. Our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com and booking your gap analysis today. I want to, uh, let me uh, share a story if you allow me. Ooh, uh, that. Um, so some years ago, um, I, I need to make it as anonymous as possible, but some years ago, uh, one morning I'm at home and uh, I'm seeing, I'm watching the news um, And uh, I'm basically a regional security manager, so I'm responsible for Western Europe at the time. And I'm watching the news and I, I see that person uh, being uh, held hostages, a hostage um, in some part of the world. 
And I'm like, okay, something hits me in the gut because that was not the first time in, in, on the news, but I was like, okay, something's hit me. And I think like half, I mean, half an hour later, I get a call from one of, my, of the countries I was responsible for telling me, is from someone telling me, the person you just saw on the news is one of our employees. And I'm like, okay, um, so how, you know, did he go for, did he go for business? Did he go for personal travel? He had been there for personal, so it was meant to be a vacation, okay? Wow. And um, what do we do? What do we do from there? Mm-hmm. Bex, I kid you not, I've had multiple stakeholders, not inside the organization I was working for at the time, thank God, um, but outside the organization asking me, why do you care? He went there on vacation. Wow. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I, I'm sad. Even 10 years, even 10 years, yeah, 10 years or so later and still, you know, angry at those stupid questions. Right. Of course. Of course, because the organization I was working for, uh, were smart people. We obviously did everything we could to help with the situation. And, uh, essentially the person got released uh, after many, many weeks, um, and you know everything was as fine as possible, basically, right? But yeah. the point is, going back to wh- where does the responsibility lies? What do you mean? I mean, and was it on our in our playbook of you know travel security to have someone being taken hostage during a vacation break? Of course not. It wasn't, right? So. Um, but we did take care of it because there's no other way around it. It's just, it was never a question in our head to, even for the CEO of the company, to be honest with you, it was never a question, never. So, um, and, and it shouldn't be right. And this is the thing, this, it's such a, such a powerful story because it's exactly what you hear all the time. This, this conversation around, but I, I use the term pleasure. I hate it. Right. This, this business leisure holiday thing we've just got to understand that going back to the fact that, you know, we were fortunate enough to travel, traveling was a bit different uh, 20 or 25 years ago. If people have got the opportunity to travel, that's why they work for certain companies. Like just get that. There's no, that's why you take certain jobs because you want to travel. Why wouldn't you extend it when flights are expensive? Why wouldn't Mm -hmm. you do that? So, and, and isn't it in the organization's interest to look after their staff, whether they're on holiday or not, because ultimately, then they can come back quicker and safer and get back to work, right? If we're going to be cutthroat about it, <laughs> surely you want them back safe and healthy and working again and of efficient, course. right? So, of course. But, but yeah, there's, and there's this kind of conversation around where you can't, our, 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 our travellers don't want you to uh, interrupt with their leisure time. And I'm like, no, absolutely. They want their privacy. But I'm telling you now, with the right framework around it and the right conversation, they will opt in and opt out of a security program very comfortably. I I know numerous women that would. I know numerous other, what we would call vulnerable travellers in certain countries, depending on their sexuality or depending on their race or whatever. They would. They would. It's just certain people that wouldn't, and that's fine. But give people the option to be able to do it and explain that it's there for their protection, nothing else. Um, trust, trust me. I mean, I have another story uh, that I can share, which is still uh, a big deal for the person that was impacted, you know, but uh, 
statistically, which is more likely to happen than a hostage situation. That's why, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to say something is worse than the other because it's not the point. Um, but another, another story I wanted to share about travel security is that person one day who calls us and said, um, I, before the travel, the trip, I had a surgery because of a cancer situation. And now apparently the surgery, I mean, the, 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 the scar or something was going wrong. What do we do? Okay. What, what do you know? What do we do? So, and so we don't want to interfere in people's life, but trust me, when they need us, they are super happy to find us and to find an ear, to find an yeah. ear, to listen and to get some help for them. Right. Which is pretty much the, what, what's the, what we do this for. Right. Um, at least that's what drives me basically. It's just, um, if we're only here to prepare, but we're not here when shit hits the fan, what's the point? You can have that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, sorry, I'm just terrible. I'm Excuse my French. Excuse my French. <laughs> <laughs> you can get away with it. I'm just born in the gutter, unfortunately. I don't sound like I am, but I was. Um, <laughs> no, this is it exactly. What is the point? If we're going to hide behind stuff and not actually get stuff done and not actually, no. and this is, uh, this is what I love about the people that are driving forward change and trying to do things and trying to move things forward. And I really believe there is a movement of people. I've met people yeah. on one side who have been working in this industry for a long, long time and feel quite jaded by it because it is exhausting when companies yeah. are just like, we don't have the budget, we're not prioritizing that. And then you've got this other kind of area of people who are like, it doesn't matter. We're just going to keep doing it anyway because you will need us and we know you're going to need us. And as this industry grows, which it's doing, and as these standards change and the certification is wanted by the travellers, ultimately, they're driving this more than anybody else. That's what's so cool about this whole thing. Mm. Um, we need to be there to, for, you know, to, to ensure that they've got the stuff that they need because they don't know how to do it by themselves. So with that in mind, um, I can't believe we've already got to half an hour. I knew it would go really quickly. Um, but let's, for those of our listeners who tune in to just get our top tips, what, um, what, what are your um, top tips that you would want to, to give away to kind of, well, however you want to take that. So over to you. So going back to what I was saying before, I would say the number one is to focus on the people, right? And to mean it. To do this in a meaningful way, it's, just, it's not something like we write it in a policy, okay, we'll focus on the people. No, it's about connecting heart to heart. Someone is calling us, in, is in trouble, and needs us for whatever reason, okay? It, okay, how can I, what can I do to help that person? It's not, of course, there are policies, there are guidelines to follow, right? People to report to, to explain what we do. No questions about that, okay? It's not about someone doing his own thing in its own corner. I'm not talking about this. I'm just saying it's about connecting to people and making sure that we're doing this for the right reasons. I just want to wrap up with, with what you said before on that point uh, and connect it to what you just said before, Bex. Roughly, I would say that 60% in my 25 years of professional experience in that world, okay, in that security environment, six, a good 60% of my experience in, around crisis management was due, including the biggest and the worst ones, was in a travel security context. Mo I would say it's a good 60%. Um, 
So it's it's about the people. There's no doubt about that. Um, number two, uh, I want to say be. I, I would I, I always say this one, but have the the courage and humility to say when we don't know, right? So going back to that first story I was sharing about the terrorist uh, the hostage situation, uh, which was actually done by terrorists. That's why I thought about that. Um, it's about having the courage and humility to say, okay, I don't quite know right now how to deal with this. Let me ask questions around. Let let's gather. Um, and see how to deal with this situation. I said this, my director at the time said that at the time. Um, and this was to me a huge um, testament to his courage and humility to then go strong on the situation onward, basically, right? Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And may and making sure what but when because like you said at the also during uh, the in the past few minutes, Bex, you said at some point it's about making sure that we connect the right people, right? And that's what it is also. It's true that in travel security, we when when we travel, from experience I can tell that. Things happen unexpectedly, but really unexpectedly. I guess it's because we are away from home and and you know things multiply. I don't know. It's just uh, it's just crazy. And all of a sudden, you need to be connected to a whole bunch of people when you have to deal with the situation. So being able to have that level of emotional intelligence to connect with all the stakeholders, but to connect with empathy. Trust me, some stakeholders will stay, will freeze in facing certain situations, which is okay. We're human beings, right? Others won't freeze, so might take over a little more. Right, so it's having that that emotional intelligence to uh, interact with the stakeholders and do this again in a human way. Um, it's 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 not always about the policies and the guidelines. I I know some people um, think I'm crazy when I say this, but I'm not seriously. I'm saying this from experience. Basically, I'm saying this from experience. <laughs> I am just, I'm smiling and nodding. You, oh yeah, I mean, literally all the way through that, I was going, empathy. it's empathy, isn't it? It's literally being able to put yourself into the position of the person that's experiencing it yeah. with no judgment, with nothing apart from, I'm going to help you because you've called me for help. Yeah. Uh, not because you're responsible, not because, not for any other reason that that's the right thing to do in the human Thing to do in in that moment and and being and and yeah I mean having the humility to obviously say you don't know is essential I mean I, but we all know and experience people that can't do that and obviously that can make the situation so many so worse. many bags. let's not cheat ourselves so many <laughs> so much worse but I think those that can do that I can no one's expecting anyone to be able to deal with all of these situations I once had a boss who Sort of made sort of some flippant comment after the pandemic and said, "Well, even with all the risk resilience in the world, we'd have never planned for that." And I was just like, "Okay, maybe not, but at least we'd have had some stuff in place just generally, you know." So there's a real kind of you get, you're going to always get people who are just kind of run by the seat of their pants and get on with this sort of stuff. But that's not that's that's relying on a whole lot of people to really help when stuff mm -hmm. goes wrong. And maybe, you know, not being able to help yourself. If you actually have the team around you that you can talk to and everyone's as prepared as they can be, and then you've got the ability to actually work together and communicate uh, and know how to do that and sort of, and, and know how to do that under a crisis, 
then we're in a whole different situation, aren't we? And that's exactly what you know you guys are doing at Crisis Ally, and that's why I love you, even though we have to stop this conversation. Um, <laughs> so um, thank you so so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you in March. That's all we'll say. Um, for those of you that are joining us, um, you get to see Alex and I in person together in a room, which is very exciting. Um, um, but yeah, if there's anything else you want to say before I close off today, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. No, I want to thank you, Bex. I love the conversation. I think it led to so many paths. So interesting, no. such interesting path. We could uh, keep on going for uh, forever, right? And uh, I'm really looking forward to the event in March. I'm 100% confident that it's going to be a huge success. So uh, thank you for having me today and thank you for having me in March and um, thank you for this uh, for the podcast. Well, no, thank you for everything that you are doing. Thank you for Crisis Ally. Thank you for being so passionate and thank you for making this about the people because that is exactly what this is about. So to our wonderful listeners, you have been listening to another episode of Talking TRM, the podcast dedicated to travel risk management. My name is Bex Dedman also known as Travel Respects. We've been joined today by Alexander Hoffman from Crisis Ally. Um, we will see you soon in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, please stay safe. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31030, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to a centrist management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.